chapter six of an anonymous story by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter six zinaida fyodorovna had lost her gold watch a present from her father this loss surprised and alarmed her she spent half a day going through the rooms looking helplessly on all the tables and on all the windows but the watch had disappeared completely only three days afterwards zinaida fyodorovna on coming in left her purse in the hall luckily for me on that occasion it was not i but polya who helped her off with her coat when the purse was missed it could not be found in the hall strange said zinaida fyodorovna in bewilderment i distinctly remember taking it out of my pocket to pay the cabman and then i put it here near the looking-glass it's very odd i had not stolen it but i felt as though i had stolen it and had been caught in the theft tears actually came into my eyes when they were seated at dinner zinaida fyodorovna said to orloff in french there seemed to be spirits in the flat i lost my purse in the hall to-day and now lo and behold it is on my table but it's not quite a disinterested trick of the spirits they took out a gold coin and twenty roubles in notes you're always losing something first it's your watch and then it's your money said orloff why is it nothing of the sort ever happens to me a minute later zinaida fyodorovna had forgotten the trick played by the spirits and was telling with a laugh how the week before she had ordered some note-paper and had forgotten to give her new address and the shop had sent the paper to her old home at her husband's who had to pay twelve roubles for it and suddenly she turned her eyes on polya and looked at her intently she blushed as she did so and was so confused that she began talking of something else when i took in the coffee to the study orloff was standing with his back to the fire and she was sitting in an armchair facing him i am not in a bad temper at all she was saying in french but i have been putting things together and now i see it clearly i can give you the day and the hour when she stole my watch and the purse there can be no doubt about it oh she laughed as she took the coffee from me now i understand why i am always losing my handkerchiefs and gloves whatever you say i shall dismiss the magpie to-morrow and send stepan for my sofia she is not a thief and has not got such a repulsive appearance you are out of humour to-morrow you will feel differently and will realise that you can't discharge people simply because you suspect them it's not suspicion it's certainty said zinaida fyodorovna so long as i suspected that unhappy-faced poor-looking valet of yours i said nothing it's too bad of you not to believe me george if we think differently about anything it doesn't follow that i don't believe you you may be right said orloff turning round and flinging his cigarette end into the fire but there is no need to be excited about it anyway in fact i must say i never expected my humble establishment would cause you so much serious worry and agitation you've lost a gold coin never mind you may have a hundred of mine but to change my habits to pick up a new housemaid to wait till she is used to the place all that's a tedious tiring business and does not suit me our present maid certainly is fat and has perhaps a weakness for gloves and handkerchiefs but she is perfectly well behaved well trained and does not shriek when kukushkin pinches her you mean that you can't part with her why don't you say so are you jealous yes i am said zinaida fyodorovna decidedly thank you yes i am jealous she repeated and tears glistened in her eyes no it's something worse which i find it difficult to find a name for 
she pressed her hands on her temples and went on impulsively you men are so disgusting it's horrible i see nothing horrible about it i've not seen it i don't know but they say that you men begin with housemaids as boys and get so used to it that you feel no repugnance i don't know i don't know but i have actually read george of course you are right she said going up to orloff and changing to a caressing and imploring tone i really am out of humour to-day but you must understand i can't help it she disgusts me and i am afraid of her it makes me miserable to see her surely you can rise above such paltriness said orloff shrugging his shoulders in perplexity and walking away from the fire nothing could be simpler take no notice of her and then she won't disgust you and you won't need to make a regular tragedy out of a trifle i went out of the study and i don't know what answer orloff received whatever it was polya remained after that zinaida fyodorovna never applied to her for anything and evidently tried to dispense with her services when polya handed her anything or even passed by her jingling her bangle and rustling her skirts she shuddered i believe that if gruzin or pekarsky had asked orloff to dismiss polya he would have done so without the slightest hesitation without troubling about any explanations he was easily persuaded like all indifferent people but in his relations with zinaida fyodorovna he displayed for some reason even in trifles an obstinacy which sometimes was almost irrational i knew beforehand that if zinaida fyodorovna liked anything it would be certain not to please orloff when on coming in from shopping she made haste to show him with pride some new purchase he would glance at it and say coldly that the more unnecessary objects they had in the flat the less airy it would be it sometimes happened that after putting on his dress clothes to go out somewhere and after saying good-bye to zinaida fyodorovna he would suddenly change his mind and remain at home from sheer perversity i used to think that he remained at home then simply in order to feel injured why are you staying said zinaida fyodorovna with a show of vexation though at the same time she was radiant with delight why do you you are not accustomed to spending your evenings at home and i don't want you to alter your habits on my account do go out as usual if you don't want me to feel guilty no one is blaming you said orloff with the air of a victim he stretched himself in his easy-chair in the study and shading his eyes with his hand took up a book but soon the book dropped from his hand he turned heavily in his chair and again screened his eyes as though from the sun now he felt annoyed that he had not gone out may i come in zinaida fyodorovna would say coming irresolutely into the study are you reading i felt dull by myself and have come just for a minute to have a peep at you i remember one evening she went in like that irresolutely and inappropriately and sank on the rug at orloff's feet and from her soft timid movements one could see that she did not understand his mood and was afraid you were always reading she said cajolingly evidently wishing to flatter him do you know george what is one of the secrets of your success you are very clever and well-read what book have you there orloff answered a silence followed for some minutes which seemed to me very long i was standing in the drawing-room from which i could watch them and was afraid of coughing there is something i wanted to tell you said zinaida fyodorovna and she laughed shall i very likely you'll laugh and say that i flatter myself you know i want i want horribly to believe that you are staying at home to-night for my sake that we might spend the evening together yes may i think so do he said screening his eyes 
the really happy man is he who thinks not only of what is but of what is not that was a long sentence which i did not quite understand you mean happy people live in their imagination yes that's true i love to sit in your study in the evening and let my thoughts carry me far far away it's pleasant sometimes to dream let us dream aloud george i've never been at a girl's boarding-school i never learnt the art you are out of humour said zinaida fyodorovna taking orlov's hand tell me why when you are like that i'm afraid i don't know whether your head aches or whether you are angry with me again there was a silence lasting several long minutes why have you changed she said softly why are you never so tender or so gay as you used to be as in amensky street i've been with you almost a month but it seems to me as though we had not yet begun to live and have not yet talked of anything as we ought to you always answer me with jokes or else with a long cold lecture like a teacher and there is something cold in your jokes why have you given up talking to me seriously i always talk seriously well then let's talk for god's sake george shall we certainly but about what let us talk of our life of our future said zinaida fyodorovna dreamily i keep making plans for our life plans and plans and i enjoy doing it so george i'll begin with the question when are you going to give up your post what for asked orlov taking his hand from his forehead with your views you cannot remain in the service you are out of place there my views orlov repeated my views in conviction and temperament i am an ordinary official one of shedrin's heroes you take me for something different i venture to assure you joking again george not in the least the service does not satisfy me perhaps but anyway it is better for me than anything else i am used to it and in it i meet men of my own sort i am in my place there and find it tolerable you hate the service and it revolts you indeed if i resign my post take to dreaming aloud and letting myself be carried away into another world do you suppose that that world would be less hateful to me than the service you are ready to libel yourself in order to contradict me zinaida fyodorovna was offended and got up i am sorry i began this talk why are you angry i am not angry with you for not being an official every one lives as he likes best why do you live as you like best are you free to spend your life writing documents that are opposed to your own ideas zinaida fyodorovna went on clasping her hands in despair to submit to authority congratulate your superiors at the new year and then cards and nothing but cards worst of all to be working for a system which must be distasteful to you no george no you should not make such horrid jokes it's dreadful you are a man of ideas and you ought to be working for your ideas and nothing else you really take me for quite a different person from what i am sighed orlov say simply that you don't want to talk to me you dislike me that's all said zinaida fyodorovna through her tears look here my dear said orlov admonishingly sitting up in his chair you were pleased to observe yourself that i am a clever well-read man and to teach one who knows does nothing but harm i know very well all the ideas great and small which you mean when you call me a man of ideas so if i prefer the service and cards to those ideas you may be sure i have good grounds for it that's one thing secondly you have so far as i know never been in the service and can only have drawn your ideas of government service from anecdotes and indifferent novels so it would not be amiss for us to make a compact once for all not to talk of things we know already or of things about which we are not competent to speak 
why do you speak to me like that said zinaida fyodorovna stepping back as though in horror what for george for god's sake think of what you are saying her voice quivered and broke she was evidently trying to restrain her tears but she suddenly broke into sobs george my darling i am perishing she said in french dropping down before orlov and laying her head on his knees i am miserable i am exhausted i can't bear it i can't bear it in my childhood my hateful depraved stepmother then my husband now you 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 meet my mad love with coldness and irony and that horrible insolent servant she went on sobbing yes yes i see i am not your wife nor your friend but a woman you don't respect because she has become your mistress i shall kill myself i had not expected that her words and her tears would make such an impression on orlov he flushed moved uneasily in his chair and instead of irony his face wore a look of stupid schoolboyish dismay my darling you misunderstand me he muttered helplessly touching her hair and her shoulders forgive me i entreat you i was unjust and i hate myself i insult you with my whining and complaints you are a true generous rare man i am conscious of it every minute but i've been horribly depressed for the last few days zinaida fyodorovna impulsively embraced orlov and kissed him on the cheek only please don't cry he said no no i've had my cry and now i am better as for the servant she shall be gone to-morrow he said still moving uneasily in his chair no she must stay george do you hear i am not afraid of her now one must rise above trifles and not imagine silly things you are right you are a wonderful rare person she soon left off crying with tears glistening on her eyelashes sitting on orlov's knee she told him in a low voice something touching something like a reminiscence of childhood and youth she stroked his face kissed him and carefully examined his hands with the rings on them and the charms on his watch-chain she was carried away by what she was saying and by being near the man she loved and probably because her tears had cleared and refreshed her soul there was a note of wonderful candor and sincerity in her voice and orlov played with her chestnut hair and kissed her hands noiselessly pressing them to his lips then they had tea in the study and zinaida fyodorovna read aloud some letters soon after midnight they went to bed i had a fearful pain in my side that night and i could not get warm or go to sleep till morning i could hear orlov go from the bedroom into his study after sitting there about an hour he rang the bell in my pain and exhaustion i forgot all the rules and conventions and went to his study in my night attire barefooted orlov in his dressing-gown and cap was standing in the doorway waiting for me when you are sent for you should come dressed he said sternly bring some fresh candles i was about to apologize but suddenly broke into a violent cough and clutched at the side of the door to save myself from falling are you ill said orlov i believe it was the first time of our acquaintance that he addressed me not in the singular goodness knows why most likely in my night clothes and with my face distorted by coughing i played my part poorly and was very little like a flunkey if you are ill why do you take a place he said that i may not die of starvation i answered how disgusting it all is really he said softly going up to his table while hurriedly getting into my coat i put up and lighted fresh candles he was sitting at the table with feet stretched out on a low chair cutting a book i left him deeply engrossed and the book did not drop out of his hands as it had done in the evening End of chapter six
Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.